Hey, everybody. I am, well, good morning. Um, yes, we're fired up now. That's good. I asked you earlier, and you're like, I don't know, but I think you maybe are now. Um, well, we are like waist deep in our series called Foundations, and maybe you've caught all of these messages. Maybe you've been kind of hit and miss with them. Maybe you've caught up online. I don't know. But what I do know is I'm glad that you're here, and I believe that today, as we just continue in on this series, I think that we're going to see something so valuable that it really kind of it goes in line with what we've been talking about. And really, I believe that there's going to be some very simple and practical application at the back end of this talk. And I think if we were just to actually do what it is that I, I propose for you to do, I believe that you could have something that you've wanted your whole life. And I believe that maybe some of us have a little bit of it, but I believe some of us have, this is going to be brand new information, but I believe that there's going to be so many good things that come of this. And I believe that when we do this, we actually have, and we can find the best version of ourselves that doesn't begin with ourselves. It's not a self-help project, but we can find the best version of ourselves that begins with Jesus. Amen. So first, I just, I want to kind of clear the air on some things, and I'm kind of embarrassed about this, quite honestly, but I believe there's a confession that I need to make before all of you, and I did at the 915 as well, just so we're all on the same page. Your pastor is, is imperfect, and I just want you to, you're laughing, is it because you already know it's true, and I am imperfect, but I just want you to know this, and if, if I could just please have your attention, I have recently joined a cult. So I, I, I thought I had so many people trying to lead me into, into this cult, and they said that it's going to change your life forever, and I pushed it away as long as I could. And they said, man, once you get into it, you're never going to turn back. And I was like, no, that's not me. I'm just not part of that. I'm not going to do that. And then it was presented to me, and then I, I joined it, and it is starting to really change the way that I think and the way that I live and the way that I view the World Wide Web. Oh, by the way, I'm talking about the cult of being a Mac user. That's actually what I'm talking about. I've, I've converted from PC to Mac. I, I started and I, I, in my adult life, I was a PC user and everything was about the PC. And then I would hear all these Mac people and they'd say, oh, you need to get a Mac, man. Things are just so much easier. And once you do that, you're never going to turn back. And then I bought a Mac and I realized that everything is in reverse. It was almost like Steve Jobs said, I don't care what PCs are like. I'm going to do the exact opposite, and I'm going to change the very way that you think and process this computer. The power button may be similar. It may not be. The way you turn the thing off is completely different. And another thing that is different is this, this thing that, they, that, that Mac users love to talk about, and it's a thing called the magic mouse. Now, to most people, it looks like just this little square rectangular thing. It doesn't have any buttons doesn't have any knobs, doesn't even have a gadget. All it has is this little pad. And I had all of these Mac users that said, no, no, you've got to get this magic mouse. It is awesome. There's this little square pad, and you can do this, and you move two fingers this way and three fingers this way, elbow, I made that part up. You can do all of these, these things, and it'll just do so much more than a mouse. But then when I look at it, and then I was just so confused, and I was like, if I, I, I don't know which corner to touch in, or what, how many fingers, and what should I, what should I do? So the, 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 I believe that it is a, a magic mouse. I do believe it, and I believe 
that the, the understanding of it has totally disappeared from, from my, my, my way of life. So I got rid of the magic mouse and I went to my old school two button, plug it in mouse, move it on the table. That is, so I'm showing you Mac people. I may be one of you sort of, but I'm also a PC user at heart, just so you know. But that, thankfully, we're not going to talk about computers because that's the knowledge, the, the extent of my knowledge of computers right there. You're, you're so welcome. That's all I have. But what I think that creates for us is such a good understanding because we've probably heard a little bit of the debate between Mac and PC. And it is, uh, they're operating systems that work differently. They, they, op, they work really, in, not in opposition, but they're just completely in reverse, so if you are a part of one and you want to go to the other, you have to change the way that you think. You know, the, the human mind is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I, I mean, I, I could just sit back and I, I think of, of the cultures that have been created because of how, what, how God has created the human mind to be able to create cultures and government structures and buildings. Some of you can build things and it's incredible. Some of you it just comes just in your mind to build things and, and you can construct things in your mind and then you can make it happen and that's amazing. Some of you, the thing that you do for a living, maybe you, your mind works in such a way that you organize things and it benefits an organization. And maybe for you, it's just you're just creative minded. Your mind just kind of goes and goes and goes and goes with creativity. And that is awesome. Maybe your mind is kind of like mine where it's very strategic, where, where one plus one has to equal two. If not, your life just stops until you figure out why, why one plus one doesn't equal two. I don't know if that, where you are in the continuum of that, but I think we all can agree the mind is really a powerful and effective thing for the world. And in the mind, I believe it is such a great tool, but it is also a great liability. I mean, it's such a great tool to be able to go do awesome things, but the mind is also a great liability. It's a liability because you and I both know if we're really honest, the mind can bring toxic things into our lives. Our minds, if we start dwelling upon the wrong things, they can just bring up toxic thoughts about the things that we believe, really the things that God tells us about ourselves. Even the understanding that we're made in the image of God, our mind can, can twist and become toxic where we stop believing that God's word is even true. We can stop believing that when God said that, that marriage is, is a sacred union, that we can, we can have our minds twisted in such a way where it becomes a liability to the truth of what God says, even about marriage. See, the, the mind is a great tool. Civilizations, organizations, churches, paying your bills. Okay, that wasn't a great thing, but you have to do that. And God gave you that ability. But if we're really honest, it's a huge, huge and great liability. And it becomes a liability that then works in opposition to God's best version of you. Because when those toxic thoughts come in, they work in opposition to who it is that God wants you to be. They work in opposition to your relationships. They work in opposition to you being able to understand that you have a new heart, that you have a new identity in Jesus, that you have, if you're a Christian, you have a, a new family, the family of God. So the mind is, is a great tool. But if we're honest, it's a great 
liability. So what the gospel promises, and if you have your Bible or a device, I would just please invite you to open up to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Where we're going to see, although the mind is an incredible tool, and now we're going to address the fact that our mind does have some toxic things that roll around in it. And what we're going to see in this is, that I think one of the best promises of the gospel is that your mind can actually be renewed. It can be changed from the inside out. That you don't have to live with the toxicity of your thoughts and the toxicity of your, your, your false beliefs, the toxicity of, of a false identity, that it can be renewed. It can be made new. And that you can have the best version of you, the Jesus version of you, when your mind is renewed in him. The main text is Romans 12, 1 and 2. But because of how it's connected to the previous verses, I want to actually start in Romans eleven thirty three, This is what a guy by the name of Paul wrote. He was being, at this time, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So this is God's holy word and instruction for those who believe upon Jesus. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. Love that verse. And to him be the glory forever. Amen. Verse 33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. The depth of the wisdom and knowledge of God, so much more than the mind can fathom. We need some of that. But then also in verse 36, it says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. Which means that the beginning of our journey of a renewed mind starts with Jesus. And the end that that we're seeking, the completion of it also is in Jesus. And and the, the beautiful thing is called the life committed to him from beginning with Jesus, ending with Jesus. And it's a life committed to Jesus in between. So then Romans 12 verse 1, it says, therefore... So he's connecting what we just read with what he's about to say. He says, this becomes the very basis for understanding what it is that I want you to think and what I want you to do. Is the depth and understanding and the knowledge and wisdom of God. And that it's for from him and through him and to him are all things. And verse 1 says, therefore, I urge you, brothers or brothers and sisters, maybe your translation says, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So we're going to go through this verse, and then verse 2. It says, therefore I urge you, 
He's trying to, to show them the, the motivation to, to do what it is, to have the renewed mind that he's about to deliver in the next verse. He says, I want you to know this is the basis. This is the, the understanding. This is the motivation for you to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus and to do what Jesus did. I want you to understand this is the basis. It's the mercy of God, not the judgment of God. He says, I'm urging you, but the basis of that urging, that prompting, is God's mercy, not God's judgment. It's God's love, not his hatred of man. Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. The basis of his love. It's the mercy of God that draws us into connection with God and for us to pursue connection with God. It's the mercy of God, not the judgment of God. I want to apologize for somebody who stood on a stage like I am right now, stood on a platform and delivered some things to you to where you maybe have been convinced that your mind has been convinced that God is just a God of judgment. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, not the judgment of God. It's God's kindness extended out in the acts of mercy towards people that lead us, that pursue us, that draw us into our relationship with him. I spent four years in the Navy. And part of the, the process of being in the Navy is they, they had to make you uh, basically retrain everything about your life. And they took your, your old self and they left that in your home state. And then you go into boot camp to people you don't know and listen to people you don't really respect. But they, they motivate you by push-ups. Hundreds, maybe thousands of push-ups. It depends on how bad your behavior was. But if I'm honest... Every push-up that I was doing or eight-count bodybuilders, Google it. It's not fun. Eight-count bodybuilders, the mountain climbers, everything that I would do out in just the blistering summer sun, all of those things, I was doing that, and I was only motivated because I knew that there, if I didn't do it, there was going to be strict consequences. So in the middle of doing that, I never respected the person who was telling me to do it. I was only motivated because I knew that I was going to be punished more severely if I didn't obey. The reason why we can walk with God, the reason why we should pursue a relationship with God is not on the basis of ourselves, but it's the mercy of God, not the judgment of God. It's not that God has some strict set of rules. Notice that it says in view of God's mercy, not in view of God's laws. It doesn't say, well, in view of of the Ten Commandments. It, does, it doesn't even say in view of the first and second greatest commandment. It doesn't say that. It makes it in a way that I think that, that is inspired in a way that we all can understand. And we should be motivated on our pursuit of God from the mercy of God. Because every person who's committed their life to Jesus... And they've been saved radically. And every true salvation story of Jesus is a radical one. It's a radical one. It's an amazing one. So it's in light of the mercy extended through the cross of Jesus Christ that God would send his son to die on the behalf of, of people like me who are not worthy of salvation. But because of the blood shed on the cross, Jesus' blood made me worthy of salvation. And I, I committed my life to Jesus. Now I realize that, that God was so merciful 
by sending his son, Jesus, to die for me. Now that becomes the reason why I pursue a relationship with him. But notice that it also says to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. To offer our bodies. This is the the pursuit. This is something we're supposed to do. This isn't just something we're supposed to believe. This isn't a place that we're just supposed to attend. This is supposed to be a part of the fabric of our everyday life. If we're going to have the renewed mind that Paul's about to drop here in the next verse, this has to become the basis of which it happens. That we are, are supposed to be living our life, conditioning our life, habitually conditioning our life as living sacrifices. This is what Jesus said in Luke 9. He said this in verse 23 through 25. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. For whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet lose or forfeit his very self? When Jesus is saying this, that you must deny yourself, he's, he's telling us here is a way that you're to be a living sacrifice, denying yourself. Sifting what you say about yourself, the thoughts that come into your mind, sifting what you're saying to yourself, your self-talk, that what you say about others, what you think about others, what you think about yourself, you're a living sacrifice. And that sacrifice, in accordance with verse 1, so powerful, this sacrifice is your spiritual act of worship. You see, your life, all-encompassing, is supposed to, if you're a Christian, your, your whole life is supposed to be a spiritual act of worship. All of it. A life committed to him, to being with Jesus, to becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. Verse 2 says this. The the first verse, it's kind of like, hey, I'm telling you, go do this. This is how you're going to do it. And wouldn't it be great if I was given a tool to know how to do it? Awesome that the Word of God tells us this very clearly in verse 2. It says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Give you a simple illustration. Does any, anyone like a daredevil led love like roller coasters? Anyone? Raise your hand. Man, I, that hand come up quick. I saw that. That was nice. I myself am not a huge fan of roller coasters for the reasons I'm about to tell you. Okay? So roller coasters. Now, there's back whenever I was a kid, these roller coasters didn't exist, but they do now. Nowadays, the, the type of roller coaster that I'm referencing and the reason why I don't really like roller coasters are these types of situations. Now they're roller coasters. Instead of just going in one motion and you swirl and do, well, I don't know, what, whatever you do, and then you, you, er, you hit the end and you're like, that's awesome, I want to ride again, but you don't because you get at the end of a three-hour line and you're not going to do that again, right? So, so that's the way it used to be. But now some of the roller coasters are really interesting because now they, they, they start and they do all the twists and turns and then they just stop, but then they do the whole thing in reverse. So now they stop, 
Oh, yeah, though it's not over. And then, and then they go in reverse. And the reason why I can't really get behind that is because when it's going this way, every part of me, including my innards, are going this way. But then when it stops, my innards are still going that way. And then it decides to go that way, and my innards are going that way. But yet my body's going that way because of a roller coaster. And somehow in between, it just comes together. And it's not pretty usually. And usually I do one roller coaster, and it's over. Right? That's true story. That's about what it is for me. It creates a great example of what this verse is telling us. He says, do not conform any longer, which means you were born on this path. He says, do not conform any longer, which means that you're going a certain direction. You were born going in this direction. Whether you know it or not, you've been going in this direction. You've been going in the patterns of this world. You've been going to the patterns of this world. And the patterns of this world are such things that, that we stop believing that, we, that all people were made in the image of God. The, the patterns of this world, we, we, use, we, were, we use words of hate, not words of love. The patterns of this world are, are, are ones that work in opposition to God's word. The, the, the words of, of, of the patterns of this world are words like, I hate you, or I want divorce, or I'm done, or that was unforgivable. Hey, Christian, let me just ask you this question. Aren't you glad that God didn't say, yeah, you know what? All of those sins were forgivable except that one. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that, that all of my sins are covered under the blood of Jesus. You see, for all of us, we all start our life with a certain pattern of thinking, that our life is about us. Start thinking we don't need other people, and we're just living our life. And what Paul is saying here is don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but stop. Stop. So patterns of this world of self-hatred, bitterness, strife, greed, jealousy, immorality, sexual perversion. He says, stop. Those are in this world. Do not conform any longer. Which What he's saying is you're already on this track. Stop, but be transformed. Turn around and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word conform here is, is the word, it means to correct, to remodel, or to form oneself after. And what's being said is we're, we're already conformed to a certain way of believing. When you come into this world, there's a certain uh, belief system that, that, that you believe upon. It's a belief system of the world, not of the Lord. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. To conform, to correct, to remodel, to form oneself after. what I, I want us to have a basis of something um, and I'll give you another illustration. I think one of the best pieces of architecture here in town is the Fred Roberts Hotel. And I love the old world charm. I love that they kept some of the old world charm, but then they added in some of the new fixtures. And they've remodeled in such a way where they took all the crud and the decay out of it, and they brought it up to life. And actually, I just love to go in there, and I just I really kind of soak it up. It really kind of encouraged me. I really kind of come to life when I go in there. And what they did was they took the, the beauty that existed. They took out the decay, and then, then they added newness to it. 
So they, they took the beauty that was already there. They didn't tear the whole building down and build it up new again. They took the beauty that was there. They gutted all the decay. And then they brought in something new. For us to have a renewed mind, Jesus' best version of us, really, it, it, it rests with us understanding and living with a renewed mind. Understand that, that we, God is, is taking the best part of you. He's not stripping and emptying you. He's taking the best part of you, the reason why he, that, that you were made, and he wants to add the newness of life that goes with it. Because those together, accompanied with your renewed mind, those together become Jesus' best version of you. It's not nullifying all of you, but it's taking out the decay. It's taking out the corruption. It's taking out the sin and adding in the newness of life that comes through a walk with Jesus. So personally, I gave you some examples. But socially, I want to just tell you this and, and just for you to maybe rest with this. And maybe this is the reason why you're listening today and this becomes kind of sobering if you cannot see the evil around you you're being conformed to the world around you if you can't see the world around you if you can't see the corruption in your own heart if you can't see the corruption in your own mind if you can't see the corruption that's happening that's, that's tearing apart your marriage right now, if you can't see the corruption and the false beliefs of, of your identity, if you can't see those things, you are already being conformed to the world. It's already happening. In verse 2, it uses the word transformed, and it's connected, the word metamorphosis that we use in our language is connected to this Greek word. And with it, it's, it means to become or to change. To become or to change. And part of this, I want you to understand too, as we're, we're talking about a renewed mind, understand that I, I, I want you to, to think more process, not completion. I want you to think process, not completion. Because it's going to take a pro- it's, it is a process. It's a process of your life. So think process, not completion. If you just think, well, I'm not complete, I'm not complete, I'm not complete, I'm not complete, you may as well be saying, I'm not perfect, I'm not perfect, I'm not perfect, I'm not perfect. That's toxic. Instead, rest in who God is making you to be today. Understand that, that from this day until the end of your days, it's the process of your renewed mind. It's the process. It's not a matter. Don't think about just completion. Titus 3, 5 and 6 gives us something that's really so important for us to understand this too. And it said that he saved us. This is Jesus. He says he saved us not because of righteous things we've done, but because of his, what's the next word? Mercy. There it is. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. What a wonderful truth. And I highlighted this for you, the rebirth, the being born again, the being born again where you have a new nature. You have a nature that is seeking to please God, that you were, that you were originally born with, with the sin of Adam, that with a sinful nature that is not inclined 
to, to want to honor God or to please God. But when you commit your life to Jesus, you've been given a new nature. And this nature is pleasing to God. And with it becomes the renewal of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that renews us. A mind being renewed by the Spirit of God is pleasing to God. A mind being renewed by the Spirit of God is pleasing to God. It's pleasing to God. So if you're in the process, don't get discouraged if you don't see all the results that you want. Be encouraged to see that you're in the process, that you're progressing, that you're maturing, although you're not where you want to be. But celebrate the steps between where you are and where Jesus is taking you ultimately. But notice the the payoff in verse 2. It says, If we uh, no longer are conformed to the pattern of the world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, if we do that, then what happens? At the end of verse 2, it says, Then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I believe this with all of my heart. The reason why perhaps you are not where you, where you want to be and maybe even where you thought you would be in your life is because you've not pursued God's will for your life. You've pursued your will for your life and you've asked God to bless it. And I just want to, I just want to clear the air. If, you're, if your life is not being informed by the Spirit of God and if your life is not being informed by continual time in the Word of God, you will not know God's will for your life. If you're not being informed, if you're not spending time in prayer, if you're not spending time in Bible study, if you're not spending time in community, if you're not a regular attender to church, and this is the same thing for whether it's Arise Student Ministries or, or the kids' ministry or you adults sitting here, if you're not continually washed and rewashed and rewashed and rewashed by the Word, and the instruction that you receive from me, but also the instruction you receive for yourself at home, if you're not doing that, you will not know how to test and approve what God's will is, you will be living your life corrupted to the old patterns of thinking. You will be living conformed to the patterns of this world. But the payoff is that if we do do those other things, then we'll be able to know and test and approve what God's will is. But did you notice what his will is? It's good. It's good for us And it's God's best for us. God's best. It's pleasing. It's pleasing for our life. That means there's that we will have the satisfaction for our life. We we will inevitably, we will be satisfied with where Jesus is taking us. But also, it's pleasing to God. And notice that it says, and it's a perfect will. A mature will. A complete will. If we're no longer conformed to the pattern of the world and we're being transformed by the renewal of our mind, then we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the renewing of our mind is the continual process of evaluating what we think, evaluating how we feel, And the decisions we make based off of God's approval, God's will, and God's mercy.
This becomes the bottom line with this text. The renewal of our mind is the continual process of evaluating what we think, how we feel, because how you feel is generated off of what you think and the decisions that we make based off of God's approval, God's will, and God's mercy. This becomes the very basis of a renewed mind. This is not just some theological idea. This is meant to be one of the great promises to be lived out by the gospel, that you would have a renewed mind being renewed by the power of God, through the Holy Spirit of God, informed by the Word of God. So I want to give you, I think, very kind of clear instructions on step one. I want to help you to take a mind inventory. This is, I believe, it's, it, this idea has a connection with neuroscience, but also it has, I believe, just a great way for us to, to learn how to understand how we're supposed to meditate on Scripture, stuff we're going to talk about in the future. So I want, here's what I want to recommend to you. I know that uh, you say, well, I, I, I want to have a renewed mind, but I don't even know what my mind thinks right now. I want to have a renewed mind. Yeah, pastor, I get it. I want that. You've kind of, I know that if I have a renewed mind and I know some of the steps and I'm, I'm not to be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewal of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, I get that part, then I'll know what God's will is. But what's step one? Here's step one. I want you to take, this is something you've never heard before. I'm sure of it. I want you to take two or three times this week. And I want you to remove everything and everyone from, from where you are. I want you to step away from everything and everyone. Everything and everyone. The only thing I want you to bring is a piece of paper and a pen. And I want you to get out. And, and the point of this is to be able to evaluate your thoughts. And I want you to take seven minutes. The seven minutes is important. Because the first five minutes, it unloads your conscious mind. The last two minutes unloads your subconscious mind. And I want you to take those seven minutes. Literally, set a clock, if you, set a stopwatch if you have to. I want you to take seven minutes, and I want you, with all distractions removed, you don't have your phone on you, you're away from all of that stuff, and I want you to take seven minutes of un- uninterrupted silence. And I want you to write down Everything that comes to your mind. Everything that comes to your mind. Seven minutes. Five minutes is too, too short. Ten minutes is too long. I want you to take seven minutes. This is a way for you to understand and, and to be able to evaluate your thoughts. And after you write those, those things down, there's things that are going to come up and you're probably not going to like some of the stuff that comes up. And that's okay. And after you create this list, after your seven minutes of un interrupted silence and you write down the things on the piece of paper I want you to evaluate the things on the paper with these two ideas I want you to do it in such a way I want you to ask your question I want you to ask a question of the things that you write down is this making an inflated version of me an inflated version of me by inflated means Does this show that I'm being prideful? Does this mean that this is about my ego? Does this mean that my life is built upon me? Are those thoughts saying that I 
that I deserve better, I am better. Because the inflated version of you takes you away from people. It takes you away from being usable and effective in your relationships. The inflated version of you is not Jesus' best version of you. Or of your list from your seven minutes, evaluate it not only by the inflated version, but also does this speak of a deflated version of me, a deflated version where you devalue yourself, where your thoughts would reveal maybe some toxicity of what you believe about yourself, what, what you believe about your marriage, what you believe about your relationships, what you believe about your kids, what you believe about your past or what you believe about your future. See, we, we often live in these two worlds and neither one of these are Jesus' best version of us. Neither one of these. Either one is the inflated version where we're living our life as if we are the centerpiece of our life and the deflated version, it devalues who God has made us to be. So I understand that, that you're going to have these things. Maybe you want to make a list of, okay, I'm, I, my mind tells me that I'm, I'm living inflated or deflated. But maybe for you, maybe you're already in this journey of having a renewed mind. And maybe for you, you will find that you're actually pursuing Jesus' best version of you now. And it would be just a great time for you to rejoice in that. Your thoughts are often revealed by your self-talk and your thoughts are often revealed in your relationships. So I want us to take these seven minutes and just get away. It's going to be awkward. Trust me, it is, but it's worth it. Because when you do, not only do you get to evaluate where you are in your mind, but I believe that you will be able to Take step one. Step two is coming next week. You'll find step one into becoming the best version of you with a renewed and brand new mind and a whole different way of seeing the world, seeing yourself, seeing God, seeing the community, and seeing your purpose for living. Let's pray together.